0: Today's episode of the Greatest People You've Never Met podcast is brought to you by the Visual Identity Vault. The Visual Identity Vault is the official merchandise supplier for the greatest people you've never met. You can pick up the basics like t shirts, hoodies, to headwear, and premium wear. The Visual Identity Vault is a full service, decorated apparel and marketing business located in my hometown of Fairmont, Minnesota. Shipping is included in all pricing, so we make it simple to order pay, will produce, and ship. TVV, a proud sponsor of the gpy and mpod pod. Got something green the way you bought it. Mm, Got the way you bought it. All right. Welcome in to another episode of the Greatest People You've Never Met podcast. Joining me is the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Brian Porter. Porter, thank you so much for being here. Oh, fantastic to be here. Oh, Loving f- it. You flew in to the cold Phoenix Metro just for me, and I appreciate that. <laughs> the great white north. Pretty much. Uh, just so you know, there's a freeze warning tonight. It's going to be like 26 degrees. So keep your hotel window open.
1: I'm looking forward to it. Yeah.
0: Remind you of back home, right? Uh huh. Of course. So for those listening that don't know you, give give us, who is Brian Porter in the eyes of Brian Porter?
1: Ooh. Uh, father, husband, uh, packaging guru. Yeah. Um, always willing to lend a helping hand to anyone, give advice to anybody.
0: I love charity type of stuff. If someone needs yeah. something... I'm there. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh so uh Mr. Porter is the vice president of sales essentially. Uh at Ernest Packaging, yep. where I worked for a year out here when I first moved to the desert. And uh <laughs> um Yeah, I cut that off for me, Jay. Yeah. Um so uh Mr. Porter is a vice president of sales for Ernest Packaging. And that's where we got to meet when I was working there for a year. Yep. Um, you've been with Ernest for a long time—27 years. That, that's almost my entire life. I know. So not to throw that on you. I no, know. I, know. Yeah. I know. I but know. But that uh, what's that? What's that journey been like? Because it is you know when you when you work for Ernest, it's a, a prideful company, and they're very. You know, you get to learn the history of Ernest, right? So, I mean, you've got to see a lot of that. So, what's that been like for you to be a part of that process? Yeah. So,
1: when I started, they had just acquired Salt Lake City earlier that year. And um, I I wanted to go do something. I used to manage a band and was married, had a kid. And the band thing was, you know, drummers weren't showing up. People were pulling guns on you at the, at the gig, you know, not wanting to pay you. So I, um, my buddy who was in my wedding and his, uh, sister who was in the wedding too, was friends with my wife at the time. Um, they, they said, Hey, talk to my dad. And he always, his name was Jerry Shea, legend in the industry. Jerry would always say, you know, Hey, if you need to want to change your role in life, come talk to me. Yeah. So I interviewed with a couple different companies. First one was Unisource, thought I was going to have the job. The guy, after like six weeks, calls me in and says, hey, I got good news and bad news. Bad news is I'm moving to Seattle, so I'm not in this area anymore. Good news is I can hire you in Seattle. I'm like, not going. Yeah, no thank you. Got a kid, a wife, not moving up there. So then Jerry, and he worked for, uh, which is now Prejus, at the time it was okay. Richter, and so then he set me up with Pac West, and the guy wouldn't even interview me. He did, he did a phone, a courtesy phone call. All right, Jerry, guy won't even meet with me. He's like, all right, do you mind my driving to LA? I'm like, no, nah, I'll drive up to LA. I drive up to LA all the time for the band. Come home at two o'clock in the morning, not a big deal. So I went up, I met with a gentleman by the name of Warren Paisalt, and so we have that award now at Ernest for the top rookie called the Paisalt Award, named in his honor. So Warren meets me, gives me a personality test right there. It was like a three and a half hour interview, and then at the end of it said, okay, well we'll get back to you, blah, blah, blah. So about two weeks later, I hear from uh gentleman Lair, Actually, I don't hear from anyone. I call, uh, I call up Jerry and I said, Jerry, they're supposed to call me back. Let me know what's going on. Haven't heard anything. So long story short, they make me a job offer, but they said, we don't know what we're going to do with you. Cause we're not investing into the rookie program right now. We're investing all of our time and energy into Salt Lake city. It's a new sure. acquisition for us. It's the first thing ever out of state. We don't know what the hell we're doing. So I'm like, all right, I'll do whatever you guys want me to do. Just give me a shot. So at the time, it was Bay West, which is now, I don't even know who they are, Wausau Paper, one of those paper companies that have been acquired so many times. They had a brand of wipers out to compete against the Scott uh, Wipeall, Kimberly Clark Workhorse, and they said, hey, we're bringing in a container of each. We want you to learn about them and sell them to our customers to go find new accounts. Right. And then there was another product called Stardust, which was a, a emulsified um uh, silica that would pick up anything instead of like an oil sorb, which was like kitty sure. litter. So I did that for like four months and then they go, okay, go hire your replacement. And then you can get out in the field. I'm like, well, where do I go? They go, I don't know. You know more about this than <laughs> yeah. I do. And I'm like, wait, what? So through that process of the four months, I was teaching myself packaging because no one was teaching me anything. I would, I had one guy in, in customer service that said, hey, go go into the sample room and grab literature and read it three times a day for the week. And you'll know more about that product than anyone in this building. Yeah. So I did that. Um, so when I found my replacement and then I started doing the sales stuff, I did it for about nine months and they came back to me that later that next fall and said, Hey, Storopack just came out with this thing called paper plus to go against Rampack and FP international, which was another loose fill company back in the day had an air pillow system called uh, Cello. So they said, the only way we can get these is if someone becomes a champion for it internally with Ernest, we want you to do this. Nope, I'm good, Right, I got a territory, I've got one of the top uh, tenant accounts in the actual company now, I'm good. So Warren keeps coming back, yelling and screaming, banging, you're not that good, go talk to your wife, you're an idiot, I'm like, all right, whatever, I'll, I'm, not, I'm not doing it. <coughs> Stands up, leaning over his desk, using profanity at me. And I just said, he goes, what do you want? And I said, I want to keep my accounts. He goes, that's it. You can keep your top 25 accounts done. It's done. Keep your top 25 and you're going to do this. And he goes, God, you're an asshole. <laughs> so then that started, I had the territory. Oh, and he threatened me if I lose one deal because I'm calling on one of my accounts, I'm pull- he's pulling all the accounts from me. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, whatever. Great guy though. I mean, I... I Till the day he died. Loved him, man. man. Um, so anyhow, that started it. And then I'd go, I'd go to Salt Lake City to go work up there and do that. And then Warren goes, hey, I've got some young reps up there. Can you work with them? Kind of like what I do with you. Yeah. I started teaching them packaging, teaching them sales. They graduated. Then they, and I was doing the same thing down in LA. There's one kid who actually I got an email from him this afternoon. It's weird. His name's Greg Woods. Greg graduated our program at Earnest in like 10 months. But back then it was like only a, you know, you had to do 10 grand a, a month and you're good. Sure. So he graduated, ended up going through the industry, became president and co-over co-owner of a company called PAMS, P A M S, which is a vendor of ours. Okay. Um and finally sold it, and uh, and he will attribute everything that he did. If he goes, if it wasn't for Brian Porter, I would never be in this position that I'm in now. So stuff like that always makes me feel good. Absolutely. So, so that's how it started. And then one year, uh, Warren comes to me, and he goes, look, we've lost every client coordinator in Salt Lake City. Hired all these new people. They don't know anything. And this is like October, right around Halloween. He goes you have until the first of the year to get these people trained up and ready to go, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, how do you want me to do it? He goes, I don't know. Just do it. Figure it out. So I'd fly up Thursday morning, work Thursday, work Friday, spend the night Saturday morning, eight to like 1230 train. Sure. Fly home three o'clock and then on the weekend and then do it every other week until the end of the year. And then they're all set up. We had one of our banner years the year after that. That's when they made me a VP.
0: Interesting. And then
1: the rest just kept happening. Through all that time, we were having acquisitions and right. growing, and now we're up to 14 locations.
0: And now, yeah, Michigan's open. Or- yep.
1: yep, yep, Michigan's open. I'm going there next week. Nice. Coldest time of the year.
0: Yeah, why wouldn't
1: you? Well, hey, they'll be like, these guys from California, they don't know what they're talking about. Right. I show up, and they're like, okay,
0: guy, he's got, he's got some game. Yeah, for sure. It probably can't be colder there than it is, like, Salt Lake or Boise, to be honest, I mean. It'll be a damper cold, you yeah. Know, where
1: the wind chill will cut through you. Up there, right. it's dry, like, right. like it is here, you know. Correct. Yeah, it's a dry heat, dry cold. <laughs> dry cold, exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. Another- uh, <laughs> so before we go on, because you, you said something, I don't want to lose it. What was the band you are man- managing?
1: Standing Hawthorne. They're on Apple iTunes. Their first one's not. Um, Itch is out, uh, and then they've got a couple EPs that are out. But the, once we did the EPs, that's when I backed off of them. So, okay. Itch was the last uh, one that I did with them. Uh, Oh, My Mother of Loach is an earlier one, which we played out here a lot. Tempe was big for us at the time. Really, We competed against the Jim Blossoms. Jim Blossoms played the dash. We came out, we want to play the dash on the trailer. Nope, can't, you got to play inside. Third song in, he's like, next month when you come back, you're on the trailer. Sure. So they would be at the fraternity parties. We'd be at uh, the other co-fraternity parties. And then at that time, we had the... That CD, Oh My Mother of Loach, was the number one unsigned band at Tower Records. So we were out here at three locations. We were all through the state of uh, California, San Luis Obispo, Sacramento, up and down.
0: What a life, dude! That's so interesting to me. I, I Tony had actually mentioned that one time on our ventures yeah. about about you, but that is such a. I mean. That's an interesting thing. Like, that's not a thing a lot of people ever dive into. How did you even get wrapped into that?
1: We were um, so when I graduated high school, my father at graduation hands me my envelope, and I'm like, "Wow, is it a trip car? What? I mean, everyone's getting this stuff, and it was right. my it was my insurance papers. Oh, <laughs> hey, in August you turn eighteen, you get to take this stuff over. Yeah. And I'm like, well, or, or he goes, or you can go to school and I'll still keep covering it through my insurance. And I said, well, how am I going to pay for school? He goes, well, you're going to do it. I'm like, okay, that is, I don't think that I can do all of that and live in Southern California and have the kind of fun that I'm having. Right. So um, I learned how to run a recording uh, board. I, want, I figured everyone's making cassette tapes to be in a band and I was in a band in high school, and we played parties and stuff. It was nothing big. I what knew. was the band called? Um, uh, at first, it was the Morticians, because I had a 1962 Cadillac hearse. And then they changed. we changed it to the Silver Bullets, because we were drinking Coors Light all the time. Love it. Love it. it. <laughs> Love it. Um, so... I graduate, I I learn how to run a board because I figure I'm not going to make money in a band, but everyone's got to get a cassette tape made to play gigs, so learn how to do that, and I can make money doing that. So I went to a, a class to do that, and they had a sign up about working on a cruise ship doing sound and light. So I applied, and within two weeks, I was on a ship down in the Caribbean the week of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Doing, figuring out how to run sound and lights on this huge ship.
0: That's incredible.
1: So I come home, mowing the front yard, jalopy pulls up. Hey, aren't you Ryan Porter? Where did you guys get your cassette tapes made? And I said, oh, there's a guy around the corner, Ronnie Huffman. He right now is working with Jose Feliciano, doing a lot of recording for him. And uh, I said, just tell him I told you guys I sent you, and he'll give you a deal on it and everything else. And that's awesome! Da, 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 da. Off they went. I go back out again. I do the I do Mexican Riviera and Alaska, and I come back. And my brother goes, "Hey, you remember that band that came by?" I'm like, "Yeah, kind of." He goes, "They're kind of big." I'm like, "What?" He goes, "Yeah, their their cassettes out, and they're playing gigs now." I'm like, really? Literally, I think it was the next day. Hey, what's going on? Hey, remember us? Yeah, kind of. My brother said you guys are getting kind of big. We're going back in the studio to record. Do you want to come in and, and uh, help us? I'm like, I don't know about that, but I'll, I'll, let me come up. When are you going to sure. go in? And so I went in and um, got, they were all dialed in. Ronnie's there and we're sitting there BSing and Ronnie goes, I got to go. Can you run the board? And I'm like, yeah, not a problem. Don't worry about it. So five hours later, the guys come back in from the studio into the room. And they're like, how was it? And I said, well, I thought it sounded pretty good. Where's Ronnie? Oh, he left before you guys started. They're like, wait, what? I'm like, oh, yeah, we got a huge discount on this now because <laughs> he's not here. He's he, his time's out. and I'm not going to charge you. I you know, took the day off. Anyhow, so we're just hanging out. So when they did mix downs, they're like, well, you want to come back in and help us produce it? I'm like, eh, I don't, well, maybe, okay. If I can make it, I'll make it. And I, I didn't make it. The tapes were done. They came back by um, and they said, hey, can you get us gigs? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I Let me see what I can do. So then I started getting gigs. I get more gigs. And they kept recording more cassettes and just kept playing more and more and more and more and more. And then they got, I mean, they got big. they were They were pretty big. The LA times were calling them like the next Smiths or REM. And, um, when REM did their document tour, they had a, I don't remember how the hell I got the phone number. Somehow, somewhere there was something on a fan sheet that I ended up getting the phone number and it went to their house in Athens, Georgia and people would answer it. Really? And so they played, um, uh, UCI Brent event center for that tour and the DBs were opening up, but they had not announced it. So I would call three times a day saying, I understand at the time it was the slugs. I understand the slugs are opening up for REM. I don't know. Hang on to this. I don't know. We can't confirm it. By the end of the week, they're like, yeah, that's what we're hearing too, man. People have been calling every day asking about this, (laughs) these slug guys. I, I think they're opening up for them. So that was, that was a fun. That was a fun one. That was you know just the guerrilla warfare shit that we used to do and sure, get them out there. But yeah, that was the band. and so Chris Carnes, is he actually got he got the most famous out of all of them on their own. He was a guitar player. He went on to do Sonichrome, which the his debut album, the very last song on Never Been Kissed with Drew Barrymore is his tune. Okay. He was also in uh, with Brendan Fraser, Blast from the Past, uh, where it's the bomb shelter one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a cafeteria scene. That's his tune. That's a different one of his songs. And I can't remember the third. I think it was like some horror flick or something that he got the third one on. So that he he became the most popular out of it. Now he produces, like he's done. uh, Kiefer Sutherland has side projects and stuff. Does a lot of that. Stoner the Drummer. Um, his son Tosh is really big. Tosh the drummer. Look him up on Instagram. He plays with everybody. I mean, they're they they were talking. There's there's been a ton of talk about him replacing Taylor Hawkins with the Foo, Foo Fighters. Fighters. Yeah, yeah. that's that, crazy. But yeah, Taylor Hawkins. I mean, all those guys used to come to our gigs because Taylor was in Laguna Beach. Um, what call it from Stone Temple Pilots uh, slash not Stone Temple Pilots. Excuse me. Um, Guns N' Roses, and then before that, it was um, The Cult, their drummer. Um, God, what's his name? Drawing a blank. Anyhow, he he went to our high school and stuff, and so he'd see us at gigs, and we'd hang out. and Sure. It was, it was just a, a scene happening.
0: Right. That's so interesting to me, because that's like what time period? Like late 80s? Yeah, shrinky,
1: shrinky Dinks were playing. They later came, became uh, Sugar Ray. Uh, what was it? Um, Stone Temple Pilots were uh, Mighty Joe Young. They became that. No doubt was a circus act that was tr- playing all over the place. So there's that whole vibe. All those bands were playing everywhere. Yeah. Um, through Newport, Costa Mesa, Hollywood, um, San Diego.
0: So I mean, it's just such a wild thing too to pub all that stuff. I know I sound like a young kid, and I'm 31 years old, but like to pub all of that. Without the media outreach that there is now.
1: Oh, God, it would be so easy now.
0: Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, you would probably have stayed on that track forever. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just a different world. I mean, literally such a different world from that to now. I mean, to think if you had an Instagram to post on. I mean, oh, my like, God. Come yeah. check us out no, here, we, you know.
1: We would have to do, like, last week we would have done a mailing for the, that would go out to talk about all the shows for February and early March. We'd have to book that sure. far out. So, we got like a, you know, the postage uh, meter thing. So, we get billed off of it, It had a post office box. We'd get sponsorships to make the flyers for the whole thing. People would be buying merch off of it. We were selling merch at the gigs. I mean, we're making good money, cash, right? At these gigs. All of our equipment was paid for. All the recording was paid for. Everything. Nothing came out of our own pockets. We, it was, yeah, if
0: we had that today, crazy. No, it's just, I mean, what a fun time. You can see it in your face, too. Like, when you talk, like, it had to be just a blast of a time. I mean, how old were you then doing that?
1: I was. I started doing it with them at 20, because 20, I turned 21, and we all played a party together, and then stopped when I was like 26.
0: Yes, I mean, what a blast of six years, right? Like just hanging out. And, oh, yeah. No, that's way cool. Uh, what, what was the downfall? I mean, you said like people weren't showing up. and I mean, the, was- the downfall was Dave Wakeling
1: who we knew really well he um when my son was born he you know i've got pictures of him holding my kid and we were at at the time there was a place in dana point called um heritage brewing company it was the first micro brew back you know sure. in the early 90s and there was all this talk about uh roger's gonna come over from london and we're gonna jam for a little bit oh okay that's really cool hey i'm getting general public back together oh man that's Awesome. Yeah, we're going to play a gig here and everything else. All right. So we played a gig, and he's talking to me through the whole thing. And then he said, Hey, do you mind if I talk to Stoner and Chris about going on the road? Because um, they're talking about us doing uh, Five Stadium, uh, th- the radio shows, the Five Stadium, like New York, Washington, D.C. Sure uh Atlanta, I don't know, Orlando and Miami, something like that. And uh I said, "Yeah, that's fine. When when are you when are you going to do it?" August. Okay, that's fine. Great. Summer, we don't have gigs in September. Those really busy cuz the fraternities all book us for fraternity parties and that's good cash. Fine. Okay, great. So, we were at my buddy my other buddy Doug Crone, he became like co-manager with me. And Paul the singer was there Uh, Brent the bass player Who's by far the most successful Out of the group Not in music but success We're doing the newsletter for uh, October And we get a call And it's not from any of the guys It's from some freaking roadie guy On the thing saying They picked us up for Europe We're gone We'll see you guys when we get back No so Brent, Brent, Brent stands up, walks out. This is effing over, slams the door. Paul's like, well, I'll see you guys later. And Crony and I are sitting there with all this, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars worth of mailers going, shit. That was it. Just like that. That was pretty much it. They came back and they everyone was mad at them. And they had great success with it. Uh, that's how Chris went on to get signed and everything else. But that was the that was the final, final, final.
0: It's funny because if you watch, like, those rock movies or, like, uh, what did we watch? Bohemian Rhapsody oh, last yeah. week, oh, you yeah. know? Like, you wonder, like, how tailored are these stories? And then you see it, and it's like, oh, that's probably 100% real. Like
1: if, 100% real. 100% it's that real.
0: cutthroat, like, right now it's just done. Yeah. That's probably exactly what it was, like, it was. all those
1: stories. Well, it was a lead-up. Like, the drummer shows up, and he's out of his mind on something, can't play singer gets in a fight with his girlfriend says he's going to fly up and meet us in Cal Berkeley doesn't show up we put a set together without a lead singer and did the did the show but it was like little things like that just kept building and when that happened it was like that was it Done. Right.
0: Oh, that's so interesting to me that's incredible thanks for sharing that that's just I mean a wild thing uh, being on stage with those guys or private concert Eli Young band which was better
1: <laughs> Eli Young was pretty good that was, that was good. But being on stage with those guys to watch, I mean, I'd watch, you know, a couple thousand uh, kids that back, back then they used to, um, there was these organizations that would do ski trips for like fraternities and sororities and they'd get like three or four colleges together. So we played up in Utah in this ballroom and just, I remember that's when Nirvana's Nevermind came out. Cause we were listening to it the whole trip sure. driving up and while well, we were up there But being up there and watching these young guys just having so much fun and then watching a couple thousand people reacting to it it was awesome. That was a vibe. But Eli Youngbet was awesome.
0: No, I was so jealous when you showed me those (laughs) videos and things. What a life. That's so – I mean – Yeah, that's such an interesting time. I mean, obviously, I was a small child and not even alive. So to wrap my brain around that outside of watching, you know, some of those movies like about Motley Crue and stuff. And I can only imagine because I went to the original Motley Crue last tour. Their first of 12, I think they've done now, right? right. Um, But to see those guys and at that time, like Mick Mars just like leaned on the stage, right? Like terrible, right? But it was like holy shit! Could you imagine these guys in their prime? Yeah. Like because it was a show, and then like uh, Alice Cooper opened up for him. Oh wow! Okay. And then they do "Feed My Frankenstein." He runs around. Someone, not him, runs around in a ten foot tall Frankenstein. It's like this is a Broadway show. Yeah. You know, yeah. it is just so crazy. So to see that in its height with all those bands, I mean, it must I mean it had to just be incredible.
1: Yeah, it was different. The one thing it's interesting because I, I I talk about this to my wife all the time. Last year at at uh, Stagecoach, it was very noticeable. So the Counting Crows came out and they're putting down this large all this large equipment at the front of the stage, which then inhibits your view if you're a concert goer. My wife's like, What is all that? I go, Those are monitors. She's like, What? I go, They don't wear earpieces. Everyone nowadays wear an earpiece So you don't have to have the volume cranked up and you don't have to have a monitor in your face, which then blocks the view of everyone in the first 20 rows because you can't see up it. But Black Crows, he, he still did it. And he stood right in his little pocket there swinging his mic and stuff.
0: So interesting. Yeah, I'm sure like those are just little things, that detail that you notice. I mean, well,
1: but as a fan going to a concert, you want to be front row. You don't want to be front row if there's a monitor there because you're looking up at a black box. You're at you the can't stage. see anything. You see nothing. Exactly.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I would have never thought. And I suppose that's what that little like almost looks like the back end of a speaker. That's what it is. Front.
1: It's a speaker that lays down, yeah. and it's the monitor, and they'd go, more, you know, hey, put more bass in it, or hey, I need more snare, and they'd be going like this the whole time. Gotcha. Now it's just like this, and they're all sophisticated because they all have earpieces in, so there's a mic on the back of the stage, and the singer will go in and talk into the mic just to the the band or the crew, what's right. going on, no one hears it, and the technology is amazing to give such a better performance of not being limited to a mic cable or not being limited to a guitar cable or any of those things.
0: Yeah, I mean, even to, not to just throw this out into the world, but when you went to the birthday party and they privately hired Eli Youngman, yeah. and you were talking about how they said you have to use this lighting company, yes. you have to use this yes. sound company. Like, yes. It's also tailored and perfect yes. to them now. Like yep. it's Yeah. that's yep. It's wild. Um, so switch gears here a little bit. I guess a little bit back to the packaging world. What's been your favorite thing of packaging and honing in on that and really mm-hmm. making that your life?
1: Uh, my favorite thing about packaging is it's always different. There's never one day that's, that you're seeing the same thing. A lot of the routines are the same. Right. Running the route, meeting the customer, dealing with problems. But some of the some of the stuff that we can come up with that help people out or new technologies that are – reducing carbon footprint but on the flip side just also the game that's played with it it's not yeah. um, you know packaging is evil but then packaging's good packaging you know it, you can't get, there's just so much we've been having so many conversations over the last three weeks about before COVID hit everything was about um, reduce the size of stuff Amazon came out with the SIOC shipping your own container you would get fined that's not even in existence anymore because everyone was shoving so much stuff out. Right. That's also why they just, you know, fight laid off or fired, you know, 14,000 employees because they didn't care. They just kept pushing bodies through to get the packaging out. The amount of waste that was created from that where before we were all under scrutiny about having to reduce down the size of the pack. Dim weight was always a big thing. Yep. Um, Single use plastic came, <laughs> came into place of so plastic, it was, wasn't a bad word anymore. Right. You know, everything had to be wrapped in plastic. Right. So the challenges of the changing of the times, I think um, I like it. To, it's like a chess match, right? You're playing yeah. a game at all times on how do we how do we navigate this and how can we help create something that um, is going to help, is going to be, you know, the the customer is going to like it and then the end user, their customers are going to love it for whatever the reasoning is. Yeah, absolutely. So that that's the thing that drives me in the packaging world. That, yeah. Yeah.
0: Key thing. that's it's an interesting world. I mean, not coming from that and going to that for a while. It's the thing to see it evolve in just even my short time with y'all was crazy. I mean, the different things that keep coming out and then people that try to catch up to that and somebody else is already on step two.
1: You well, know. what was the, what was that one account that you and I went to and they were looking, they had no room. Remember you were doing, v- yeah, yeah. you were doing EMI at it.
0: Yeah. Out in uh, surprise there. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. And so they're
0: growing like crazy
1: and right. it's like, all okay, right, Hey, I'm going to come out and keep counting for you to help you get your process together. Oh my God, you were like a hero. Right. And then we went to that auction place where the guys wrapping everything <laughs> under the sun and we're like, Hey, check out that cool golf yeah. cart and look at that cool thing. And yeah. So that was the other that, that you know seeing all those interesting things I, I I think is is cool too for sure
0: wow you make that here that's really cool right no it is it is cool especially in a place well I mean, probably everywhere, but like you're in LA and then you come here, which are two major markets. I'm sure it's very different in Boise. Um, yeah. I'm sure it's, it's different, different in all of them. And business is different everywhere. Right. So, but it is, it is an interesting market. I think the thing that I love the most was always, you knew who you were competing against and that was the big guys. Right. Yeah. And you just always like, if we can beat them, you can win. And right. that, that was it. Like that was the game. And exactly. that is, it is fun. It is a fun sales role for sure. Um, what's uh what's your vision for ernest moving forward in your role
1: and my role my role is to continue to drive the company um from a sales side and 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 give tim my feet my honest feedback and when when i see stuff so we had a big b we created a BHAG and it was a financial one and We started down it and for a year I'm like, Hey, this is great, but we're, we're losing too many people. Let's make it about graduating and developing 100 reps, right? So that's the new BHAG and Tim's got like 300 and he's put my face on Gerard Butler and so yeah, I'll send you the, when I get the link to it, I'll send you it over. It's pretty cool. So they're going to unveil that to the whole, the whole company at our March meeting. So that's I see myself being the 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 confidant to Tim where I I see it because I'm out on the street. And I I will keep I will continue to drive this company from the street level. I don't care. I'm never going to be the guy sitting behind a desk and losing touch. The moment if I if I'm grounded to a desk it's count done. count the time, right? right. I mean, it's going to be soon because you see who your competition is out on the field. You see what our vendors or who's helping us and who's not helping us in the field. And you understand, you know, kind of what's going on. Where where are the trends? What's happening out there? And right. you can't do that behind a desk. And so no. I feel that that's the biggest value for me. Plus, then, I always like evaluating the managers by working with the reps. You always can tell what's going on. For sure.
0: Absolutely. I think that's, I mean, it's very interesting, right? Work right? worked for a mega corporation, and fast and all. Yep. I worked for a very mid-level like y'all and now I'm at a very small place but to see there's not a lot of places where you're riding with the VP of sales right. every time he comes to town. Right. right? There's not the you know uh, Tony comes to town. Right. Like there's not a lot of that outside support and you're absolutely right. That was always great because it was like you could confined a little bit and Hey, these are the things that I'm struggling with, or these are the problems I'm having. And I know that you could voice those with a Tony, with a you, and then they would get addressed and you just feel a little better about it. Yeah. So I think that's a huge, huge plus. I've I have nothing but good things to say about that company. So just so we, just so you know, I don't want, I don't want I, any know bad I, I know that, okay. I, I know just, that, I I mean, I know you're here, but I just. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> you're on my, you're on the text stream. <laughs> I, I know thing. that's, <laughs> the, So that's the other place I was going to head with this. Uh, fellow Minnesotan. Yeah. When'd you move from Minnesota? Uh,
1: 79. And you were how old? Uh, just turned,
0: I, I think I was 12, 12. You miss it ever? I did back then. Yeah. Um. Did you move just straight to the L.A. area?
1: We moved to Orange County. My father was transferred. He worked for um, National School Studios. They bought a company out in California, immediately flipped the name to LifeTouch, told them it was going to be 15 years to develop it and everything else. He did it in five. And so coming from... I you know I I grew up where I grew up. I, there's a bunch of messages that have been going back and forth with the family on because there's some house on Lake Minnetonka. It was like two miles from where I grew up, and it's listed for like four point two million dollars easily. And so uh, we we're throwing that around, and all of a sudden I found our house, and I'm like, well, shit, two hundred three Loring Drive doesn't exist anymore. It's like four nine five eight three Loring Drive Minnetrista, because when Vern Gagne died, he donated all this land off of highway seven and county road 44 to be a wildlife preserve okay so when they did that it became where i grew up at was no longer mound it was now Minnetrista. okay and so i was on a cul-de-sac the lake was on one side we had an acre of land with a pond behind us we would play ice hockey every day right now you know get off the bus go running home Drop your stuff, run downstairs, put your skates on, not even lace them up. You're just running in the snow to yeah. hit the ice first so you can be captain. Yeah. And play hit till li- You know, play till the m- mom would flip the floodlights in, time yeah. to come in and eat.
0: Till you can't see anymore at five o'clock when it's pitch black out, right? No, yeah. No, that's good stuff. Um, so you're obviously you're a scolger. We're scolders together. Guy at the hotel right now. I'm
1: i I'm walking out and uh two ladies were picked up. And dropped off in front, and he starts doing the skull chant. I whip my head around and I'm like, "What?" He goes, "You a Viking fan?" I'm like,
0: "Skull, yeah."
1: I go, "Got a text screen. It's it's Skull Vikes, man." Yeah, and then so we're talking, and and uh, and I go, "Man, they they didn't give us the respect. We weren't even supposed to have nine wins this this season. We get to you know where we did." Never having the respect from the nFL at all no and and I think the reason being is because they kept saying we got we found lucky ways to win. We were always ahead. we just gave up way too many yards yeah oh, on the yeah. defense when I think we were like thirty three or thirty one in the NFL on defensive uh yards against us so i'm the our our ex defensive coordinator, hey, it was great when he was there, but Thanks. we got to make a change we had we have to be more yeah. aggressive like the purple people leaders of of the years gone by. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I agree. I know I have a differing view from some of the people in the group, but I think a lot of those players got to go goodbye. Like oh, it's time. And they're old. That sucks. I mean, I was just talking about with one of my really good friends too. It's like, and even like my dad this week, it's like, he was talking about Adam Thielen. like well, he's going to be gone. He's a thirty-three-year-old wide receiver. Be they're playing twenty million dollars next year. Yep, so.
1: <clears throat> he's going to be gone unless yep. he wants to restructure and stay in Minnesota. because he's never left, I mean, right. he never had to leave. He could restructure or go for a payday and get annihilated out there, and yeah. you're done. Yeah, yeah. Adam Thielen's gone. I mean. Look, you can get the read into it right away. The day after on the Viking feed on Twitter, they are showing, thank you, Adam Thielen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. like three pictures yeah. of him yeah. waving goodbye. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think Cook needs to go. I think yeah. he's got a lot, you know, he's – this is the first season that I didn't see him miss three games in a row.
0: Yeah, he did play all year. Played mm-hmm.
1: all year, but it, I don't think he was that effective as he – I mean, he's got speed when he can break through, right? Right. But Cook needs to go. I mean, we need to. We need that space. We have plenty of guys that are coming up. Special teams that can be that are actually running backs and right. stuff that they haven't played them. Let's do it. Well, now that we can spread the offense because off, with, with JJ, you don't <laughs> have to rely on that one guy. Pay that guy whatever he wants. Yeah, yeah. And that, and thank God, I think they've been talking to him. all oh, on, yeah, and his agent to make sure that happens. Have to yeah. have to.
0: Um, thoughts on moving up in the draft? Uh, I, the reason I bring this up. Anytime I have a Vikings fan on, we talk about it. And uh, you should look up Ross Bernstein. If you haven't listened to that episode, please do. But Ross is from my hometown in Fairmont, And he's a sports author. Uh, Now he's a public speaker, so he kind of got out of that realm. But he has breakfast with Kirk every Thursday. For, uh, like, a chamber kind of like uh, like a growth kind of thing. uh, Yeah. Connecting, whatever, right? And... Ross had a really hard time talking like, yeah, he's he's a good guy. But it is like you could hear it like he's like, is Ross going to say he's the guy? And then he's like, I don't think they have the horses to win. And it was like, okay. So somebody that knows him personally and that, that mentality, it's something that I talk to my close friends about. Are you all in on the Vikes moving up to get a guy? Also, do you want another one of these? Sure. Okay.
1: Well, let's look at San Francisco. Yeah. Where was he drafted?
0: I understand. And that's the thing. But I'm also in
1: look, on. Look at Tom Brady. Right. Where was he drafted? For sure. Where was Drew Brees drafted? All these great quarterbacks were not premier. First. We've got a I I think that right now the front office of the Vikings is playing money ball. And it's probably the first time ever where they're looking at, look at the trade. We bring in a tight end and he so just goes crazy for yeah. us. Yeah. And I was, I remember scratching my head going, what the heck? Yeah. So I think they see the components different than we do. Right. Um, because they're, I mean, he, he does financial analysis, our GM. Correct. All he does is look at numbers. Right. That's it. That's It's just pure technical data. So I would rather go with that than going with an emotional, we need this guy. Cause every time we go for that guy, man, I keep going back to the Herschel Walker trade.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's terrible.
1: (laughs) Which he destroyed our (laughs) franchise for 10 years or whatever. Built
0: the Cowboys. Yeah. hundred
1: percent. So that was one. That's that I I go back to that. Do I think we trade up to get the next guy, the next, the next dude. I think that, um, uh, I hate, I, I, we don't have enough trades that we can get up. Unless like with Thielen and we, you know, deal sure. him out somewhere. Maybe the Saints, you know. The Saints are looking at a new quarterback. They're going to need a receiver. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's too hard to say right now. I'm still yeah. dealing with all the emotions of the letdown <laughs> I deal with every freaking year where they, they bring you in mm-hmm. and then they
0: crush you. No, it's uh, my girlfriend. She's a Vikings fan now. She's from New Mexico. Her right, brother actually right, played right. for the D backs. Oh, nice. So she's, they're not football people. Her dad likes the Cowboys because yeah. he's from West Texas. Yeah. But she keeps telling me how much she doesn't like being a Vikings fan. Oh, she's nice. She's done it for two years. So I'm like, maybe you should try this thing for 30. Yeah. Like, let's see. Let's talk then. Yeah. How much do you like being a Vikings fan or not? Yeah. Um, I will, I do like a little rebuttal to you. I look at the AFC. Yeah, and all those guys are under twenty seven. Yeah, and they're all first round guys.
1: Yeah, and Patrick Holmes still doesn't have a Super Bowl. He has five. Well, he's got one.
0: They beat the Niners. Oh, as, that's right. Yeah. He's got
1: the, he's got five AFC Championship Straight. wins. But they, but it's hard for him to get into the show. Right. So, I
0: mean, but l- now Burroughs back to back AFC championships pushing. The Super Bowl. Yeah. Allen's always there at the end of the road. He, Allen, Allen, though, I think the problem.
1: They can't get in there because you see Stefan Diggs go ape shit crazy on him. up? He's not on our team. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he just had another meltdown. Throw the damn ball to me or I'm not going to play. Yeah. So, um, Joe, it, Joe's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I think that, that we could grab a quarterback. So from one of these? Does does it have to be one of these premier D1s or is it going to come out of Wyoming? Right. Well, you know what I mean? That's what I think what we need to look at is go from one of these less favorable. I love the fact that the kid on San Francisco is three years younger than the Georgia
0: quarterback. Now. <laughs> yes, yes, now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Brock Purdy's tw- 23, Stetson Bennett's 26. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's awesome. Yeah. No, it. Uh, I mean, it's all about system now. I think... You see more guys succeed, right? Like a quarterback like Lamar. Yeah. I mean, 10 years ago, it would have just been rode off as a bus, but now they're tailoring the system to what these guys can do.
1: Well, and it's what's coming out of college. Correct. The college system is going more towards the mobile quarterback and not the pocket quarterback. And so you've got to adapt to that. So everything's going to change. The whole entire NFL will change because of that. Hopefully we get a defensive coordinator, like the Saints guy that they're interviewing, the co one. He, came, he, he was a, um, a D1, you know, line and defensive coach forever. So he's, he's been seeing this. I don't, we don't need a pro coach that's been around for 10 years in the NFL. We got to go fresh, yeah. eyes, figure out how to motivate. Because the speed, too. Oh,
0: my God. Everyone is so fast now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I really hope that, I mean, I know I've said it before, KOC, when he was hired, he was looking for a 3-4 D.C., Yes. because he likes it. Yeah. We just wasted Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith. Those Correct. those aren't dropping to coverage. We didn't have the horses to run that system. So I hope he learned from that. And was like, "Okay,
1: we've only had that system that. for 2 years." Right. So it's we've never been that system. Right.
0: So get the horses to to keep building what you have because I think in the right system, these older guys could play for a little bit longer, take some deal cuts, right? Uh, but it'll be interesting. So I'm gonna put you on the spot right now because I know you'll share this with the group, so we can all go back and ridicule you. And I'll make my prediction too. 2023 Minnesota Vikings. I want to know. I want to know your record and where where they end the season.
1: Oh, I'm gonna go 13 wins. Okay, back to back 13 wins. Back to back. Back to back 13 wins. And I think uh, I do think we make make it to the NFC Championship game. Okay, I don't think we'll do Super Bowl. I mean, I would love to say we can hit sure. the Super Bowl, but I think I think we can get the NFC Championship game. I think I think our offense, if all we have to do is plug the defense, right. And keep and keep the injuries down. I mean, shit. We played what the last with no corners, right? No corners and no center. We good. didn't have a after the Buffalo game. That's it. We were dealing with third string. Shit. Dallas took out our guy in the in the first quarter, right? So then we had a, what a four a third string guy in there. Yeah. I mean, if we can if we can stay healthy on on that, I do think we have a good run because I mean the Lions are they're scary now, right? Green Bay. I can't wait to see what happens with. Karen. Right.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it'll be interesting because I think
1: we're—I think we will win the NFC North. Okay, I do think that we're going to have over thirteen wins, and I—I I do think we can make it to the NFC Championship game. I mean, look at the guys that we lost to; right.
0: they were all in the in the playoffs. No, for sure, you got the doors blown off you by. Dallas, and then obviously, I mean, Green Bay, but that was what it was, and obviously Philly early in the year, but those were you know part of the last. Philly was the second
1: game of the season, right? And I didn't, I mean, we weren't blown out that bad. It It was like what
0: twenty four seven.
1: It wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. It felt worse because they did it all in the first quarter, (laughs) And and then we made the adjustments. But yeah, the Dallas game coming off of the emotional win in Buffalo. Which to me was our Super Bowl. I sat oh. there, and I mean, I was flying high for weeks. But then again, you don't have a center, and they were just—I mean, Cousins had not—he had nowhere to go. Correct, right? zero. Yeah, yeah. and I—I I even hated it in the Giants game where his his. Jersey's all left up in the first quarter because he's just been eating turf all day long.
0: Yeah, even on that last play, I mean, you can watch it from any angle, but if you watch the all 22, that was the only chance the guy had to throw the ball. I mean, and they had converted first downs
1: on that play right. three, three different times, times right. during
0: the game. So it's like that was the play. Right. TJ Hawkinson right. breaks a tackle, nobody's sitting here pissed off. No, he's so. down,
1: he's down almost to the 50 because <laughs> right. he breaks that tackle. He's, ha- right. he's halfway in. We rent, we go in, you know. It, all
0: Yeah. So you've experienced all the heartbreak. I love it. Uh, are you scared of the Lions? You think the Lions are for real?
1: I think the Lions are for real. I think that their quarterback had a good year because he got in a good rhythm. Yeah. But he is that quarterback. Yeah. He's just going to be that one.
0: Yep. Jared Goff is going to prove everybody wrong.
1: And I do feel that uh, our coach was the reason the Rams won the uh, Super Bowl. I mean, I mean, look at it now. They didn't even, they didn't, they didn't even win the division. Right. So I think we have good things around us, but yeah, the lions scare me. I yeah. mean, they are shit. I mean, you know, it came down to a field goal, longest know, field goal ever in Viking history to win that game. And then we can't do anything there. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. Motor city kitties. Always. Motor city Kitties, <laughs> always making nervous. Right? Um, as we get to winding down, first off, thank you so much. You come into town. You do this with me. It yeah. means a ton. My pleasure. means a ton. Secondly, somebody listening to this is on the verge of taking a big leap in life. What's your What's your advice to them?
1: Do it. Don't look back. Don't be afraid. You can correct mistakes. No one's going to die because of a deci- a bad decision that you made. You can... But if you don't do it by not doing it and not trying something new and giving it that opportunity, you have no idea what's on that other side. I mean, to say, all I have to do is cross the street. Ugh, I'm so comfortable here. I think that that's one of the things that I, I, I struggle with with my family. It's like, guys, go do, try, be. It doesn't matter. Yeah. There's a, Time is irrelevant. Just go out there and, and play and, and see things. Meet people. Right. my friends right now my closest friends I, I have very close friends that I still have known since I was 12 years old but I've got a ton of new friends that I would have never met if I didn't go do this or if I didn't go do that I mean it's try things challenge yeah. yourself be an individual right. don't look back don't let people influence what you want to do in your heart or mind I love it
0: that's good shit Porter well, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Ah, uh, pleasure to be here, man. Means a ton. Um, Skull Vikes. Skull Vikes. Uh, enjoy the cold desert while you're here. It's uh, like I said, twenty eight degrees tonight. So it's have gonna fun. be great. I'm oh. gonna be running around. Maybe find some ice skates, dude. Pretend you're back home. <laughs> There's a Minnesota street right down the that's almost that's almost the hometown. There? It's called Is yeah, there? yeah. Check it out. Um, everyone listening, uh thank you so much for your time. Like, comment, share, subscribe, unsubscribe, rate five stars, all that fun stuff. Be good, everybody.